we want to be the facilitator, not the focus. If you're an entity like a brand or a creator, you should think of yourself as the facilitator of that community. It's like such a powerful and amazing thing to be able to bring people together. You don't have to be the focus and you shouldn't be. You can be the facilitator and allow the community to really build it with you. Hello, welcome to Active Ingredient, a podcast all about personal and professional growth. I'm your host, Sophie Wheel, and I'm a deeply curious person who's on a mission to help us all come home to ourselves, to truly come alive and to live lives that we genuinely love. I'm also the founder of Nude Nation, a brand building and PR agency that exists to help mission-driven brands and founders get clear on their why and spread their truth far and wide across media, podcasts, speaking engagements, and so much more. I started this podcast because I was so desperate to find my purpose. I wanted to interview people who I felt figured it out because honestly, I wanted that for myself too. And what I've learned along the way is that the answers are all internal, every single one of them. We find them in the silence. Validation is fleeting if you don't validate yourself first. And the more we nurture the relationship with ourselves and learn to listen to the deep voice inside and actually act from that place, the more the external starts to reflect the internal alignment. I believe that the more we can integrate ourselves holistically, the more whole we'll feel, which is why this podcast is a mix of my greatest loves, personal and professional growth. You can expect conversations that range from how to deal with imposter syndrome or how to build your confidence, as well as tips and tools on how to get your message out there in the world. My biggest wish for you is that you prioritize your joy, see yourself first, and that you come alive every single day. Welcome to Active Ingredient. I am so glad you're here. This episode is brought to you by Seed, my favorite, favorite, favorite probiotic company that exists. I take two every single morning on an empty stomach. I know you guys have seen me talk about this and post about it nonstop. And for me, this is an absolute dream partnership because I have been personally paying for this product for years. I've interviewed the founder, their head of research and development. I believe in every touch point of this product from the actual product itself to the founding team to the way that they make an impact in the environment, their commitment to sustainability practices. I talk a ton about uh, mental health on the show. Obviously, this is a show about personal and professional growth. And to me, a key pillar of my personal development has been strengthening my gut health Because when your foundation of your gut health is in a good place, it sends a signal to your whole body and system that everything else is okay. So your mind is also in a better place. And there's a ton of science that shows the connection between your gut and your overall mental well-being. And that is honestly why I prioritize it. I prioritize it from a mental standpoint and from a digestive standpoint. And it really is the best on the market, period. Probiotics is something that I feel like is a word that is used very loosely right now. And it's one that I trust fully. In order for a probiotic to actually even work, it needs to survive your digestive tract. And I can just tell you firsthand from using it for years that this product definitely works. But, you know, obviously try it on for yourself. If it's something that works for you, please let me know. I would love to hear from you guys. And I'm just so grateful to be working with a partner like Seed. They're giving all active ingredient listeners 15% off your subscription. 
your first month of subscription when you use code ACTIVE, A-C-T-I-V-E at checkout. And I just literally would shout this product from the rooftops anyway. I mean, I was, and now I'm just really grateful that they are a partner of the show because I just, their mission and our mission is very much in alignment and I just love it. So if you want to check it out and try literally the best probiotic on the market, that is a pre and probiotic has 24 strains is broad spectrum is just literally the best of the best out there. Give it a shot. Let me know. I would not be recommending things to my family, my flesh and blood, if I did not think it was the best, best, best that exists. And to me, this is the best that exists on the market. Their website is seed, S-E-E.com. And then the code is active, A-C-T-I-V-E at checkout. Let me know. Send me messages if this is working for you. Thank you, Seed, so much for sponsoring the show. Hello, welcome back to Active Ingredient. We have another amazing interview. I really enjoyed this conversation. And before I get into this week's guest, I wanted to just come on here and say hi. I just got back from LA. I had the absolute best time. Like truly, I had such a great time on that trip. I basically went out there because I had two clients speaking at um, this conference called Founder Made. And first of all, my clients like absolutely crushed it. And it was just so inspiring. Like, I feel like I go to those types of events often and like, it's rare to like constantly be hearing things that you're like, oh, wow, that's new. Or like, this is like a cool concept or this is a cool new business. Like it was just like a really awesome environment and just like watching my clients thrive. And like, I think, I I don't know, like, I feel like I'm biased, but like every time that I hear them on a panel with other people, I'm like, oh my God, they definitely like shine so intensely that it just makes me really proud and happy. I mean, everyone else on those panels are fabulous, but I guess I, I'm like a little bit partial to mine, <laughs> to my clients. But yeah, so I went for that and then we just, you know, had a ton of meetings. I haven't been to LA since 2019. Yeah, it was just really great to be back. Like I just felt like, wow, I really missed it here. My spots were like still there and popping. I just felt like really high, I guess, off of that trip. I also had a moment, I posted it on my Instagram I had a moment of being like, man, like I started this company four years ago. My agency, for those of you who don't know, I have a PR communications and brand building agency called Nude Nation. And I started it four years ago, actually coming up on our four year anniversary now in November. The last time or the first time that I had gone to LA for Nude Nation was right when I had actually launched it and I had landed a client to be on this major, major podcast, which is actually one of the ones that was what inspired me to start my own podcast. I booked myself on a flight to go be there for that podcast because I thought it was really important for me to be there to support. Um, My clients did not find me out for that. I paid for it myself and I had just started this business. Like I literally like did not know if I was going to be able to make rent. Okay. To give you context. (laughs) And I ended up just flying myself out there and I stayed in an Airbnb that was like a room within someone else's apartment. So like it was like this man, this super cute dad with his son that was like super cute too. Like they would literally say good morning and good night to me every single day. Definitely an interesting (laughs) structure, but it worked. I mean, I was there like this trip right now just really made me reflect back on that. And 
I talk a lot about delayed gratification on this show. I think it's something that our generation struggles with just because not, not in any way that's like a dig to our generation, but just because like we literally grew up in a, in a generation where so many things are so quick and so easily handed to us that when things take a little bit longer, we tend to throw in the towel. And I trust me in these four years of doing this, I really, really, really wanted to throw in the towel so many times. McGuire can attest to this. Like he's the one who's been seeing this like, front and center and he really knows, but, but I mean, I know obviously, and I don't know, like this trip just really made me, first of all, really proud of myself. I think that we also need to normalize being actually proud of ourselves. It's so easy to be proud of people around you, but I was actually proud of myself for where I've gotten. I mean, obviously with the help of so many people, but I was just proud of keeping it going more than anything, because I swear I really have really almost thrown in the towel so many times of just being like, Oh, like this is so frustrating. Why does no one care? Like it's taking 8 million years. Like, is this even what I'm supposed to be doing? Like, is this my path? Like, is there another path out there that's for me? And it's just like all of these doubt questions that like take up so much space in our mind that are, that are kind of useless. But I think it takes having to like go through it and like just push a little bit until you get to a point where you can now recognize thoughts that don't actually serve you. But anyway, all this to say is that I, really had like a strong moment of reflection being like, I'm proud of myself. I stuck with this. I kept it going and I'm still keeping it going. I feel like I haven't even scratched the surface. I've gotten to a place that I could not, I swear I could not even imagine a world where I could be in the position that I'm in right now. I'm not unique in this. It's really like anyone can do this, you know, like anyone can build a life that is in full alignment or is even, I don't need, like, I feel like I'm tracking towards full alignment. You know what I mean? But anyone can do this. There's nothing that's unique to me to doing it. And the only like thing really is just keeping it moving, keeping it going, constantly doing the inner work because the inner work is like the, the foundation to what the outer, the outer life, I guess, looks like, or what, what your outer circumstances are like. I really like every single morning waking up in that house, I was just like, wow. Like the fact that I'm able to now go from like being in a tiny little apartment that was like a room within someone else's to now being in my actual dream home, like truly like my actual dream home in LA, like straight up or like period, like straight, like my favorite home that I've stayed in in a long time that I was going for my podcast, my clients, just like this life that I, I built truly out of my brain, I guess, or my soul. Like it's just like been coming out and I am sharing this really like just to share that anyone can do this. Like if your heart is in the right place, if you genuinely have the right intention, you're serving, you're here for service in whatever capacity, capacity that is. And you just keep it going. Even if you have setbacks, even if you're like, I need a moment, I need a break. I need to like, whatever, whatever it is. Cause I've had several of those moments, but you just keep it going and you somehow find a way to make it or not make it, but just find a flow within what you're doing. It's incredible what happens. And I'm just excited. Like this is four years in, like, I'm so excited where this is going to take me. I feel like this trip really gave me even more fire and yeah, I just had an amazing, amazing time. And I just wanted to give you guys a recap on that. And 
just share that if you have anything that's like burning inside of you, what is that first next step that you can do? It's not like you're going to go from zero to a hundred. You're going to go from zero to 0.0001. And what is that A to B? You know, what is that first next step? Do you want to start a podcast? Because guess what? By the way, you guys, the number one question that I get asked all the time is, how do you start a podcast? Okay, what is that first next step? Is it getting a microphone? Is it asking someone who's launched a podcast how they did it? Is it writing down a list of guests that you want to have? Is it coming up with the structure of the show? What is that next thing? If you want to start a company, what is that first next step? And it's a constant, what is that next step? Like, I can't think 20 steps ahead from where I'm at right now. I have to think from today to half of today. What is that next step? You know? So yeah, that's kind of a little LA recap. And yeah, so I had some amazing guests. You guys, I posted on my Instagrams, but um, on my stories, but I interviewed the author of the book that I literally talk about the most on the show, Gay Hendricks. And I also interviewed Mari Llewellyn and her husband, Greg, who truly like are just such a powerhouse. I cannot wait for those episodes to go live. And I also cannot wait to get into this week's episode. So this week's episode is, I think, really important from a personal and professional approach. It is all about community, community building from a brand perspective and also from an individual perspective. So I had Kim Johnson on the show who is truly so knowledgeable. She's so self-aware and she's a powerhouse when it comes to community building. And she actually spent five years of her career building Glossier's community at Glossier. She went from Into the Boss to then like working on building community for Glossier. She truly gets it, like truly out of everyone. I think in the space, I think we can all attest to Glossier's community being the one that's kind of like led that charge. And Kim was that backbone, the quarterback of building that community. And she left Glossier and now joined Geneva. She's been there for a few years, which is a platform. Think of it kind of like a... WhatsApp meets like a Facebook group chat meets like a Zoom clubhouse. I guess like the Zoom clubhouse is like an add-on. So like really just think of it as like a group chat that is like more user-friendly and has like different rooms within it. It is, in my opinion, like if Geneva was a public company, I would be investing in it because I actually think it is so freaking smart. They are not a client. They are not a sponsor. I have chosen to use Geneva as the platform for the active ingredient community to be on because it's so fun. It's like a fun platform. It's easy to use. So Kim is leading all community for this community platform, which is like so, so, so in alignment for her. She's incredible at it. She basically talks on this show all about like what works, what doesn't like, does every brand need to have community? Does every person need to have community? The answer to the person I can tell you right now is absolutely. We are nothing without community as humans we get into all things, how to build that community. Who is it for? How do you serve? And, you know, I also talk a lot on the show about the fact that we're like in this loneliness pandemic and it's really hard to make friends as adults. And it's just like, how do you do that? How do you like put yourself out there or like find the right communities. And I think that platforms like this are really helpful because their intention isn't for it to stay digital only. It's like a hybrid of bringing in real life to digital and digital to in real life. There's a few different Geneva communities that I am personally a part of. 
I am within like the, the Geneva has a Geneva community. I'm in that one. I'm obviously in the active ingredient one, which is linked in the show notes. I would love for you to join it. The people in there are already so freaking incredible. And we have different subgroups for New York, Miami. I'm also in my friend Jasmine Garnsworthy's female founder worlds, Geneva. It's amazing. She has such great people in there. And there's like any question you have about brand building or building a business. She has people in there that answer it and a few other ones. But yeah, so I really, really love this platform. I think it's definitely one to watch. And I just love Kim's very human approach to community building. She's very on the pulse of what is happening within brands. With that, Kim, thank you so, so much for being on Active Ingredient. And with that, welcome to the show. Kim, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to talk all things community building, your journey. I feel like your career is insane. Do you feel that? Like when you look at your resume, are you like, holy shit? Like, actually, yeah. No, (laughs) I guess I'm really odd if I said like, yes, but no, not really. I think I've only worked two places. And so for me, it's like for so long, I was at, I'd just been at one company. I was at into the gloss and glossier for seven right. years, which Loyal. is a long time. Loyal. In like which 20s, is rare. Don't you 20s. feel like it's yeah. rare for our generation to yeah, stay in a place for, for sure. Long. For sure. But it did feel like working at three different companies. I think I've just gotten really lucky in a way. But so I think far. it's also a testament to your work ethic. I, I mean, I, I don't know exactly how you worked in those places, but I feel like what those brands have evolved to be only people that have strong work ethic and great but I always to grow. tell people too, like, and I guess we'll talk about this, but when I was in college and I went to Barnard in the city and everyone was always like, it was like Teen Vogue was the place to intern. Mm-hmm. Everyone was wanted the Teen Vogue internship. And I interned at Into the Gloss because I just like loved it. And it, it was not glossy at the time. Like it was a three person right. team. I loved it and I believed in it so much. So I wanted to work there and it blossomed into something like much bigger than I could have imagined at the time. That's why I always tell people like, go for the thing that you love, you know, especially when you're young and you're interning and you're trying to figure out what you want to do. Go for the thing that like really excites you, even if it's small. And I think that that's been like a kind of through line of my career journey so far. I'm so excited to hear because like the jump that you made to Geneva, I'm really curious to know. I feel like you must have an eye for like, something that you love, but also something that has mad potential, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. Cause like, I mean, if you were there and it was into the gloss with a team of three people to what it is now. Yeah. I love that. Okay. I want to get into your whole journey, but before we do, I want to know what you were like as a kid. What was your personality like? Because I feel like a community role is very specific. It takes a specific type of character. And I'm just, I'm always so curious with my guests on what little version of them was like. And like, what personality traits do you think are still in your personality now? It's kind of ironic. I was really shy. Like I was painfully shy as a child to the point that my teachers would be like, is she okay? (laughs) My parents were like, she's fine. She just doesn't want to speak to anyone. Um, yeah, I was selectively selective, you know. I actually think it really primed me for the work that I do now because I always say that I think the best community people have to be very observant and have to be like super empathetic. And I think that you gain those qualities when you're someone who just is very shy and like and more of an observer than kind of a like active participant in certain ways. 
And so that was kind of like one of the core elements of my my childhood, honestly, was was that. And I think a lot of the things about that and about being a little liking to be a little bit on the sidelines or like watching was like kind of what helped me be a community person. But I think as I got older, the fact that I was able to like come out of that shell, especially in my early 20s when I was actually at Into the Gloss, was the kind of catalyst for me starting to do community work. What about like the creativity side? Because I feel like even being drawn to Into the Gloss and I saw that you interned at Refinery, like what was it about those things? I love talking about just like, my my biggest thing that I'm like obsessed with is people who just like are born knowing exactly what it is that they want. Oh my God, the majority of us don't. The I majority know, of us like try things, fail, don't like it, like it, like whatever. I'm so curious when people like see something and then they know and they go for it. Like, yeah. how did you know? <laughs> I had no idea. I'm obsessed with that too because I've never been that Like when people are like doctors. I know. One of, my, one of my closest friends is a photographer. He's going to be a photographer for his entire life. Like that is his thing that he does. Yeah. And he loves it and he'll never stop loving it. And my mind cannot comprehend what that must be like from like the age I crave of like it. I'm like, yeah, same. I'm like, that well, what's, what's that like? Yeah. You know, it's just so interesting to me to even have that like depth of obsession with like one thing is so cool to me. I but- know. I'm not that person at all. (laughs) I wish I was. I used to wish I was. I kind of don't anymore. Same. I kind of love it. When I started the podcast, I wished, like, if you hear my earlier episodes, the questions that I'm asking are clearly because, like, I wanted that for myself. Yeah. And now I've just realized, I don't know, I'm obsessed with human design right now. And I'm just leaning into who the hell I am. And it's like, girl, you're never going to be the the person that just likes one thing. No, a thousand percent. I've, I've totally come to terms with that, too. And I think the journey is really fun. But yeah, I mean, I I had no idea what I wanted to do. I think when I was younger, I knew I really wanted to be in New York, which I think is like a classic teen girl thing. I mean, yeah. Thing. But you um, made it happen. That's different. Yeah, made it happen. And then I'm a huge believer that like, it's just as if not more valuable to know what you don't like than it is to know what you do like. And so... I learned that like sitting at home and trying to like, you know, a bunch of stories in a week was not the thing that I enjoyed. But isn't um, it fascinating that there are people that like literally live for that? Totally, totally. It, it like was, it boggled my mind, but it was a great experience. And right. like, I learned that that wasn't my thing and that was okay. And every one of the roles, were you like finding a little more clarity? Like, were you like, okay, like definitely not this, but now I tried this and there's definitely more, uh, you're dealing with more people in an ad, in an ad role. So like, was there that component that you were like, I like this and I don't like this? I think the biggest thing that I realized, especially when I was at Into the Gloss and kind of transitioning into ads and and exploring that space, it was less the people element because it was such a different kind of relationship with people. It was so Mm salesy, which I just was like, not really, it wasn't really my thing. And some people are so good at that and they like live for that. They yeah. like live for the deal. My dad was a salesperson when I'm like, no, thank you. <laughs> it actually, the the theme, the consistent theme for me was I loved the people that I was working with. I felt like I had learned so much from them, even in all of these different roles that I was in. That was kind of the the thing that I was like, okay, even if I don't love this role or this work, the fact that I'm here learning so much from people who like are taking the time to invest in me felt really good. 
then you were like, I would like to get a better understanding of how all of this works. I guess yeah. like thinking of the listener, like what's yeah. like a takeaway that we can say like, yeah, or how, how you went about it, I guess. Yes. Basically the journey was I started doing ad sales as an intern, mm-hmm. but I was kind of just jack of all trades intern really yeah. at a certain point. at All FG. interns. Yeah. <laughs> um, like I was like managing the other interns, just like doing a lot. And Glossier launched that year that I was a senior in college okay. about nine months into the brand launching. They were like, why are we doing ad sales on Into the Gloss if we now have brand? Like, we don't really need to do that. Right. Makes sense. But I had just started full time doing ad sales, just graduated college. So I was like, yeah, (laughs) my (laughs) job, my job. (laughs) So I was like, okay, I'm going to start looking at stuff. And this is this is really connected to what you were saying earlier. I had no idea what existed. Like I had no idea. Even when I was like, I want to do marketing and I started doing ad sales, like those are two different things. Totally. <laughs> those are People not the still same don't thing. understand that. Like not when, at I, all. They, when I do PR and they're like, oh so you like like Don Draper. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, no. yeah, exactly. <laughs> no. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I had no concept of the fact that these are different things. And so and of course when I was like, I'm going to do marketing and, you know, trying to figure that out, I was like, I'm going to go do PR because I didn't know what else I didn't mm-hmm. know what marketing was like. I just was so green yeah. and I just hadn't seen that much. And so I was applying other places, but Emily was and the team were really, really like, you can find something here. Like we have a brand now. There's so many things that you can do here. Mm-hmm. And so I just kind of like shadowed for like a month. I just kind of like observed and like watched what other people did and I think that the way that that happened is one on if being totally honest, like I had built such a relationship with the team that 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 was like something that they encouraged me to do. Mm-hmm. But also, I think when you're young and you kind of like exhibit a real curiosity, I think that goes a long way. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that when you're young and you're like a hard worker and you're like, I want to know what I don't know. People respect that a lot. I just kind of felt it out until we were like. What about community? <laughs> so what year that. was that when your community role developed? Because I feel like community is like the talk of the town, literally at every panel. Like everyone's like, you need to be investing in community. How do you do it? I want to know what that was like. Set, this t- set the tone of like what community was at that point. Yeah. Because I feel like it's evolved. Yeah. So that was 2015. Completely so the, different. Yeah. It's like such a different time. The brand was like less than a year old. We had you know, Into the Gloss had been around for like four yeah. or so years. And so I was community and product coordinator. I was doing like user insights before we had like professional user wow. insights people. Like, Analog. But, but it was so cool because I literally would just like call people up and be like, hey, you are, you've purchased like 20 times from us. I love that. <laughs> it was like so unprofessional, but, I but love that. it, it, it <laughs> so was... So fun. And I think it really built, especially because the brand was so young and so new. And so the people who were buying from us at the time were really kind of excited about it or invested in it. It built this real human relationship between our most engaged customers Mm -hmm. and the company and like what we were building. And there wasn't really a precedent. And so I didn't I didn't know what you're literally making it up. Did you make up that role? Like you said, I'm going to do something and call it community. No, I had a conversation with Emily and she was like, we have this, we have community, but we don't have anyone leading it. Maybe you should do it. And I was like, I don't even know what that means, but I'll, I'll do it. That sounds cool. Yeah. Sounds interesting to me. And it just kind of evolved from there. And so I started doing that role, started just like trying to learn about customers. I 
hosted our first event about like a month in, which was in our penthouse. In is our that like with, with customers or is that like influencer? No. no, it was like a totally, that was, I think the biggest difference for me and the work that I was doing versus I think a lot of my peers, like one, a lot of companies did not have a community role mm-hmm. at the time. And so I didn't have a lot of peers who were doing that work, but if they did, it tended to just be like social media or influencer because we honestly didn't do a lot of big, big influencer stuff early on. A lot of it was really just community. And any of the content creators or influencers who we did really engage with were customers. So I feel Um, like that, I mean, just Glossier as a whole, I think is a unicorn because of that. Like, I think that they set a tone for community. I think when you think of a brand that actually has community, which is so cool that I'm talking to you, who was like literally the lead of it, that was creating it when there was, like you said, no precedent for it. And I feel like now, 2022, going into 2023, that is literally the thing that is most top of mind for brands. Yeah. So I'm curious, like it's seeing the community space evolve. And like you said, like, like even within that role, you saw it first be customers and then kind of like be a mix of influencer and customer. Where do you see it going? Like, what do you think is actually going to move the needle within community today and how, yeah, like how you see it and how you approach it? I have this hot take that I don't think every brand needs a community, which is like maybe not (laughs) aligned with the work that I do. But I think that we have entered into this era where community is kind of like commodified. Is it just like a commodified concept? And I think a lot of people don't really know what it means anymore. And I think especially for brands, because brands see other brands that have done community really well and that in tandem have grown and like skyrocketed in terms of their success as brands, there's this kind of equation with community and like fast skyrocket growth and success as a company. And I I think that that's like a short-sighted way to understand what community is. What is community? Let's take a step back. What is community? Like, how do you define community? The biggest thing that I would say is I think it's like a group of people who come together around shared interest experience or whatever. And I think the biggest thing about community that I see people have trouble with is that it's the space, the environment, the community is built um, collectively and collaboratively, right? It's not built top down. It's not built by one person. It is a collaborative experience that everyone is a stakeholder in. How the hell do you do that? You know, I it's funny. And this is why, and we'll talk about this later, but I, I'm a, such a big believer right now that creators, content creators, I guess you could say on the internet are going to be the people or the next iteration of like true community builders online. Mm-hmm. Because I think that they, there are so many people who are coming together around interest, whether it's wellness or starting your first job or thrifting in Dallas or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they want people to connect with around their like the things that they love and care about. And right now we live in a society or like a digital world that kind of prioritizes one person's voice that speaks to the masses. But I think we're moving into a world where those one, those creators can like create worlds, communities that allow for democratized conversation and connection and all of that. And so I think creators are going to be like the next I think they're going to build the next iteration of what community looks like online. Mm -hmm. But to get back to your earlier question, the thing I will say about community and brands is I think where the space will go 
is that communities will actually, like brands will form out of communities as opposed to the other way around. Interesting. So August, which is period care brand, started by Nadia Okamoto, who's incredible. Nadia is insane. Yeah, she's unreal. A beast. Yeah. She is, if you're listening, Nadia, you're just incredible. Yeah, she's unreal. But my question is, so for someone who's like launching something, doing something before you have product and it's just like community, how do you, where do you find those people first? Like did for InterCycle, for example, like where do you find those people first that have that same interest? Yeah. Yeah. So I think the interesting thing about the InterCycle is that Nadia had this kind of really like respected and known role in the period Mm -hmm. activism space already. Right. And so I think for her, she again had all these people and this is why I don't know if she would have considered herself a creator at that time, but like she had this following of people who are all interested and invested in the same thing that she was. Mm -hmm. And what she did is she took that following and she allowed those people to kind of like come together and like have conversation and connection in a way that just was more democratized and more, I guess, like one level deeper from where like what social media does. That was kind of like a natural kind of evolution of the following and the role that she had built for herself. But I also think that what they did that I thought was cool was like invited members to invite a friend, right? And just like have your people kind of like bring their people essentially. And like Um, your people connect with each other. I feel like that's the reason even why I'm trying to figure out this active ingredient community because every time that I speak to one of them, like one-to-one, I'm like, they all would be friends. Totally. Like, I, first of all, I want to be friends with you. Totally. And second, like, I know that you would be friends with this person who's based in Miami. Like, why can't we all be in one place? And I don't have to be like the person that's connecting. It's just like you guys connect with each other because we all have the same common denominator. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's I used to say at Glossy all the time, like, we want to be the facilitator, not the focus. And I still really believe that for community generally, especially if you're an entity like a brand or a creator who mm-hmm. is the the entity bringing people together, you should think of yourself as the facilitator of that community, yeah. right? It's like such a, a powerful and amazing thing to be able to bring people together yeah. around like, because you know that they have shared interests or shared experience. But the beautiful thing about it that is different from what, you know, building an audience on social media looks like is you don't have to be the focus and you shouldn't be. You can be the facilitator and allow the community to really build build it with you. Yeah. So what in your time at Glossier was like the biggest learning within building community that you took? And then why Geneva? There were a couple things. But I think one of my biggest learnings with that was that it can be really hard when you're building community and it's, working and you're like building relationships with people and, you know, you're just building this whole kind of ecosystem and world of or experience for your closest people. When that is successful and people are loving it, you you want to scale it up as much as possible. And that's where like the challenge comes. And so I, I definitely learned how challenging it can be when you are trying to continue building on mm-hmm. the community that you've started but you also want to do it thoughtfully and you want to do it intentionally and you don't want to do it in a way that loses its value. Loses its value. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like it's a fine line because the whole point is for it to be like inclusive and everyone's invited and, you know, and then yeah. at the same time, it's like, so how do you, how do you make it something that's different than what's being offered to just like masses? Totally. You know? Totally. And then the other thing that, and this is, seems kind of simple, but I really think it's 
it's not. And I, I talk to especially brands about it a lot now, just with work at Geneva. You really have to see yourself as, you know, when you're a community manager, as this kind of central point between the brand or the company and the people. The biggest thing that you want to do when like creating a community experience is completely humanize yourself, the brand, and create an environment where all conversation is is welcome. And so, you know, in our community, like if people didn't like a product, they would say it. You know what I mean? If yeah. they're like this new thing launched and I am not into it, girls, and here is why. Yeah. And I would show up in the conversation as Kim. They knew I was Kim from Glossier, but I think that creating that environment, a lot of brands especially, it can be scary to give up that kind of power or control mm-hmm. when you're building a community, but you have to. Yeah. That's the way that you create trust and you create real relationships. So I think I think all of those things were some of the biggest learnings. So you think like the takeaway is slow and steady. Slow and steady, watering over time. Communities need care. Really and not every brand needs a community. And not every brand needs a community. I mean, look, I, I think that some companies, like every company will have its value mm-hmm. customers, right? Amazon doesn't need a community. <laughs> we, we, don't, we don't identify with Amazon's brand. Yeah. We like that it's quick and it's accessible and it's easy. Totally. I don't need and to I, talk to everyone that uses Amazon because it's yeah, everyone. Yeah. And I think that like sometimes you have to be real as a company about like, what is the value that you provide from people aside from the the product that you're selling. Right. For Glossier, a lot of the value was the brand and the feel and it feeling really different from beauty brands that people had experienced before. And so naturally you see yourself in that. And when you see yourself in that, there's a whole bunch of other people who see themselves in that too. And so it's only natural and only makes sense to build a community around loving beauty or different stages of, you know, life as it relates to beauty. There were so many different kinds of conversations that we had, but it all came from a very similar kind of ethos that I think a lot of the customers and the community members at that time really shared. Hmm. I'm just picking up like energetically wise and just like literally from seeing all the different points and, and the years in which you like were joining these things and how these things evolved and conceptualizing these first ever types of programs. Like I get the vibe that you're someone who just sees things before they become it and then they become it. I always say to people that going with my gut is my hard skill because one, it is like, first of all, I think going with your gut is like, if you can really trust that, you'll go far, girls. How did you uh, cultivate that? Like, uh, do you remember when you like figured out like, oh shit, no, my gut is right all the time? I can't even say because it is just a way that I've always been. Yeah, it's very weird. And sometimes it's like a little much. Like I'm like, no. You know? <laughs> my friends are so like, hard. girl. I'm like, let me ignore that one. Yeah, and exactly. Like, it comes back and slaps you in the face <laughs> yeah. and it's like, no, no. Yeah, my friends are like, girl, we get it. We get it. Your God says no. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I've always been like that, honestly. I feel like it's done me pretty well. Yeah, I think I'm a kind of an intuitive person. And I think I also, when I get excited about something... I want to know like more. With Geneva, it was like I knew about the company for a year before I joined. Mm -hmm. And I would just like have coffee with Justin, the founder. When I was at Glossier, I built Glossier's community on Slack in 2015. He was like, you know, you built Glossier's community on Slack and I want to know about that because I'm trying to build this app that's like purpose built for communities. And I was like, well, that's cool. That's interesting. 
and we just got along really well. And I was really into the vision of what he was trying to build. But I was like, I have my job. I'm good to go. You know, mm-hmm. good luck with everything. But I wanted to stay connected. Like I just, I, I was like, I need to know what's going on. That gut, you know, that gut like, I'm is like, speaking. <laughs> so yeah, and then a year later. In 2020, summer 2020, in that chaotic time, I was like, I think it's my time to learn something new, basically. So it's really the root of it. So talk to us about what Geneva is. Yeah. And so clearly the founder is someone that like really pulled you in. He was like explaining something that caught your attention. But what is Geneva? Who's it for? What's the purpose of it? How do people use it? My community knows about it. Like the listeners have heard me talk about it probably like three or four times. Yeah. But yeah, I want to hear it from you. Yeah. What is it? I think in simplest terms, Geneva is a messaging app for communities and for social groups. So what that looks like in terms of who we're for is literally everything from like sororities, book clubs, K-pop fan clubs, The Bachelor, watch party groups, all of which exist on Geneva, to brand ambassador programs, creator-led communities, podcast communities, activist groups, everything in the like 10 to tens of thousands range. And the way that we think about what we're building, or the way I think about what we're building is we sit at this kind of intersection of being a like easy, accessible chat app, Mm -hmm. but with all of the tools that like large communities need. So what that means is you have every way to communicate. You have like Basically, you have Instagram Live built in, you have FaceTime slash Zoom built in, you have chat, you have posting, you have event calendar, you have all this stuff that like a community that's a little bit more organized or a little bit larger than just like your average group chat needs, but in a place that is not like clunky or boring, for lack yeah. of a better term, that's fun and easy to use. That's the the mission. And, the and is it completely free? Totally free. Later next year, we'll probably build some like pro tools into the app, but totally free. Interesting. Yeah. I'm curious, like within the people that are on Geneva right now, because I still think it's very early on and like the people who who know, know, and then like hopefully now more people know when it starts to grow. What do you find is like the thing that makes those Geneva communities be the most successful? Someone who's like, who would be like the Kim or like the community lead that's like constantly in there checking things, talking to people or like, yeah, I'm curious, like what works Yeah, it's a great question. It depends a lot. So like how a sorority is successful on Geneva is so different from like how a podcast community is successful. But at the end of the day, for most of the communities, especially the larger ones, success is driven by the members taking part, taking ownership, driving conversation, just as much as, if not more sometimes, than the kind of leader community kind of facilitator And I think that that creating an environment where your members are true participants, stakeholders in the community is really, I think, one of the biggest things that drives, you know. Okay, but how does one do that? (laughs) Like, how does one do that? Because like, all I know with Active Ingredients community is that they rock and that there's so much in common within each other. But I don't like I have no idea what the next step is. So I think there's a couple of things very tactically one of the things I always talk to people about is like, you want to have a balance. I would say like, if we're going to get really serious, like 60, 40 of rooms. So pulling back every community or a group on Geneva is called a home. And Mm -hmm. then within your home, you have rooms and rooms are basically like channels 
But what's cool is that every you have five different room types. So you have chat, post, live audio, live mm-hmm. video, broadcast. You can really have all these types of conversations, live events, anything you want to do with your members. The first thing that I would say is that you want to have a balance of rooms that are kind of oriented around you or, you know, things like announcements, right? Things that you can kind of use to share out information or share out events that are coming up and rooms that are totally member-driven conversation. And you want to, you want to over-index on rooms that are like fully for your members. So things like having a room for wins so that people can like drop in on Fridays, like, oh my God, you guys. I just got an A on my test or I just got a promotion, right? That kind of stuff. Or even rooms for vent. I see a lot of communities with like a little vent room where people can just like share frustrations at work or something like that. And and it allows for members to really lead and and have space for, for leading conversation. So I would say one is that I always kind of, especially for a brand or a creator, if a lot of the rooms are oriented towards them, I try to help them kind of pull back and say, okay, let's like, orient these towards things that your members might want to talk about or contribute to, or that might be more personal to them. So that's one. Two is, I do think to your point earlier, generally community members kind of model the behavior of the person who brought them there. Mm -hmm. And so it is really important that as like the person who's the facilitator of the community, you are modeling the behavior that you want to see. But what that means is not like, announcement through, you know, we've got like, you know, big announcements or big brother kind of vibes. It means you show up as like just a real human okay, and, and your members will too. Like they yeah. really will model that and, and see you showing up that way and do that themselves. Yeah. And then what you can do, and I've seen this really kind of like help many communities that have grown to be in the many thousands really, really kind of evolve beautifully is you can create you know, a kind of sub-community within your space of members who are kind of like co-contributors or co-owners of the space, right? So maybe they're the people who welcome new members. Maybe they start conversation. Um, Code with Classy, who's on Geneva, calls that their hype squad, which is really cute. I love that. But yeah, I think it's all about orienting towards organic conversation and, you know, as the leader being the facilitator, first and foremost. I love that. So what's next for for community building? I feel like I'm also really curious about like in the what's next conversation, yeah. how you view the digital space converting to IRL and like the need that I feel like we're, I've said this so many times on the podcast, but we're in a loneliness pandemic. Yeah. And that's why I love platforms like this that are really yeah. like encouraging other people to just connect with each other. And still though, that in-person element is a part to it. So I'm curious how you guys are thinking about that and how to like best go about it. It's so funny because one of the fastest growing community types on Geneva is local communities. And so I said thrifting in Dallas because there's a thrifting in Dallas community on Geneva. There's like a Chicago craft club. There's like Muslim women in NYC. And a lot of those communities, what's so beautiful about them is that they're coming together digitally, but the goal is to come together IRL. And I think that that's so needed. And it's why we're seeing so much of that growth right Mm -hmm. now. And I think that that's actually going to be a big part of the future, to be honest with you. I think the like merge of IRL to online community will become more and more important, especially as we're all in the house. We all spend more time on our phones and on our computers. You want to find the people 
in your neighborhood or in your area who identify like you do or Mm -hmm. who care about the things that you care about. So I think that'll be a huge part of like the next, you know, few years for us. We think of Geneva in some ways as a successor to Facebook groups, right? Like we are serving communities of all shapes and sizes for all people. But, you know, where we see a lot of the love for Geneva is in like the Gen Z millennial space because people are like, I'm like trying to find a new place to go Mm -hmm. to build a space for my people. Yeah, it's super, super exciting. Like I think of myself and like, I think everyone can relate to like trying to make friends when you're an adult is very difficult. It's really, really difficult. It's like a time thing. It's like you kind of start to get to know yourself a little bit more and then you have things that like are just non-negotiables about like how people view things or like whatever. But I feel like this is a place where it's like you're ruling out a lot of like the trial and error of making friends as an adult and you're kind of just like getting to the point like shit we both like the same thing like let's go get coffee and see if we vibe yeah and I also think that like we're so multifaceted as people and sometimes we have this idea that our friends have to represent every piece have to be connected with every piece of who we are Mm -hmm. and I think there's something and this is one of the things that I've seen especially in some of the local communities on Geneva or even just generally like Talking to people on Geneva who are like, I'm in CMOS girlies and I'm also in hiker kind and I'm also in, you know, the inner cycle Mm -hmm. and all of these spaces kind of speak to different things that I love or that I'm interested in or that are me. Mm -hmm. And I have different friends in these different pockets of world. But the fact that you're able to get opened up to people who, you know, maybe you just craft together and that's it. And that's that's okay. I think is a really, really cool. That's so true. It's such a cool evolution of, I think, how, you know, as adults, we think about building relationships with people. Yeah. So I get really excited about that. I'm curious, like on a personal level, how do you, or how have you cultivated your own community? I think I'm like still in the process of it, to be honest. I'm someone who like, when I, I'm very like, I'm a very loyal person. So when I um, build a relationship with someone, I feel I'm like, we're here, you know? Yeah. Like we're really not going anywhere. (laughs) But I, I I actually think that I'm very much in progress when it comes to cultivating my own community. And I, I think I actually have been, especially recently, like spending the biggest thing that I've told myself lately is like default to yes. I think there was a period of time, especially like during the pandemic, where I would default to no in terms of like things that I got invited to mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever, especially if I was like, I don't know anyone there or whatever. And I've been of the mind in the past couple months of defaulting to yes. And that I think is a huge element of cultivating my community, especially locally and like in the city that I live Mm -hmm. in. I think one of the biggest challenges of like, especially cultivating relationships and community IRL is building that kind of ritual with someone where you know how you kind of show up with each other, which is like, I feel like we don't really talk about. It's so true. Like, okay, this is my thing. And I don't know if you're going to feel like I see that. I love to be around people, but as soon as like I need to go, I got to go. I got to go. Oh, girl. And so like this is I feel like we should normalize that. Like if I'm like, I want to be the person that invites people over to like have dinner. But it's like I need you to leave in two hours. Thousand percent. Like, how do we do that? Because like I want to have that type of community. But like that's one of those things that I'm like, guys, like get out. I definitely get that. And I'm very much someone who like can spend all day same solo dolo and be very happy about it it's like when I go to talk to that first person though at the end of the day that I'm like oh my words sound weird (laughs) (laughs) oh my 
yeah, you know? I totally, totally got that. A thousand percent. It's like, oh, human. Yeah. How do we do this? And like, hello. <laughs> like, my mom's like, what? Yeah. Okay. Guys, uh, so like a takeaway from this is like, let's just normalize like leaving like yeah. early and like saying like, let's hang out for one hour. Yeah. I am obsessed. I used to be so shocked by people. I have a couple people in my life who like are really, really big Irish exiters, as they say, as they call it. I'm one of them. Early on in my life, I was like, that is so crazy. And then I got to a point where I was like, I really respect that. Yeah. And now I'm like, I am that. I am that. I mean, a thousand percent. <laughs> But I do think that like having touch points with people in person is so important. And I think that like it's like we're in this weird intersection in life right now where I feel like we're so lonely, but we're also so scared to have human interaction. Yeah, a thousand percent. And like we don't want to like overcommit to being yeah. with someone for like that long and not knowing how to get out of it. So like I think this might be a solution. I'm telling you, though, like the mental shift of like telling myself to default to yes to things has really actually been a big shift. I love me. that. And I don't know, I, everyone's different. And, you know, maybe there are people who already do that and are like, girl, I'm exhausted of that and it's not helping. But for the people like me who are introverted and can spend all day in the house or yeah. whatever, it's been like a huge, yeah, a huge shift. And I think it's also like a seasonal thing. Like yeah. not like literally like in the seasons of like earth. Totally. Like I mean like seasons of life. Like totally. there are times where like no is more important and there are times when yes is more important. And it's just like you said, having that gut, connection yeah and cultivating that to know which one is the real voice yeah sometimes it's like it's saying no and then you're like is that (laughs) is that like the easy answer and I have to say like the things that I have been like oh I don't know if I should but then I go lately have been the some of the most like joyful things experiences that I've had recently yeah um what's your routine right now if you don't mind sharing my routine right now is well, it's pretty simple. I do morning pages, which is a, like, mm-hmm. yeah, from the artist way. So I do that every morning, which is huge for me. And then I, on usually one page, one and a half, I start making tea. And then by page three, the tea is boiling. So then I make the tea. What type of tea get, get specific? Chai with oatmeal. Love. And then I drink the tea and then I do a little workout usually 20 minutes not a big workout girl what type of workout a little Pilates love yeah and then that's like the core of my routine then I go get a shower do all the normal things I love that I feel alive in routines too yeah and they evolve does your routine evolve at all um no stays the same not evolved so mine didn't evolve no mine didn't evolve for a really long time all of a sudden I was like I don't know actually if I'm a morning workout person like I think there's some mornings where I am and then there's some where like an evening hot yoga flow actually is what my body needs yeah so I'm like a little bit thrown off course because I've I've been a routine girl for literally like as long as I can remember it's kind of funny now that you say that because I actually have started doing evening workouts and maybe it's because I feel really in flow right now with my routine Mm, you know mm -hmm. and so I'm like open to a little bit of like evolution without being scary I know. Why is it so scary? I know. Because you know why? Because you know why? Because it served you. It served you and it's taken you to a certain point. So then you're scared of like changing it. Totally. And I think also like for me, I, I flow in and out. So like I can fall off my routine really easily. So when I'm on it, I like hold on, Yeah, (laughs) you know, Um, but like 
you know, over the summer, it's like when you're traveling a lot or yeah. whatever, I just, I totally can fall off really easily. It's like totally. you know, just something I know about myself. And so when I'm in it, I like really try to like cherish it and yeah. hold on as long as possible. <laughs> <laughs> Same. Okay. I have two more questions. Yes. What is something that you feel like you've had to unlearn to then relearn to get to the place that you're at today? Ooh. I have always been someone connected to being shy, who is very good at like boundaries. And I think that's, you know, the default to yes thing, like all of that stuff is connected to that for me. Mm -hmm. In a way, I actually do think I've had to kind of open myself up more to be more receptive to things that maybe I wasn't, maybe weren't in the bubble or box of what I thought was a fit for me. Mm -hmm. And now, and I actually don't think I'm quite here yet. Like, I think I'm in, I'm still in the open phase, Mm -hmm. you know, which I'm really enjoying. Like, you know, that's the default. Yes, all of that. But I do think that all of this will be what helps me better determine how to understand boundaries for myself. I think I've started to learn how to like let boundaries down to a certain extent in a healthy way. Yeah. Be more open, be a little bit more like scared. I love that. Not as comfortable. I love that. I'm a person who like really likes to be comfortable. And I think I've learned. Most people. Yeah. And I think I'm learning to not be and that like to not be is good and to not be in control is good. So all of that I think is, is really. That's really, really powerful. Right now. I love that. Last question. This is Geneva specific. Okay. Okay. Obviously like everyone listening, active ingredient community is like one to join, yeah. but for the active ingredient listener, knowing that it's like personal and professional growth, like people yeah. that like love like self-improvement and just like routines and growing in all aspects. What are some communities that we can join? Ooh, I love that. Yeah, there's a bunch, especially in this realm. I think Jasmine's community, Female Founder World, is great. Guys, I highly recommend it. It's so yeah. good, especially if you're like starting a company or like wanting to like improve in your career. Yeah, yeah, that's an awesome one. Another one that I would say is, well, I, I just love Maddie and Scout from OK Sis mm. podcast. I think they're really great. I think there's a lot of podcast communities in this realm that are just really lovely and thoughtful. Chrissy uh, Rutherford does not have a podcast, right? Just the newsletter? Okay, but her, so I'm in her Geneva and I love it. And I'm like, I feel like our communities are super, super aligned. There's a lot of like synced community. Yeah. So I would say hers too. Oh, another one is for anyone who's a writer, a community called Novella just launched and I'm obsessed with it. I'm not a writer, but it is really a really, really cool space. So I highly recommend that. And then- there are a bunch of very like specific communities. So like there's a community called Crypto Witch Club that I also love. And it's all about like learning about crypto and Web3. Very specific, very niche, but it's like oriented towards women. And so I think it's a really, really cool space for like people who are like, I don't know much, but yeah. I want to learn. Like I think there's so many communities on Geneva that are like kind of niche, yeah. but it makes it really, really cool. Because if you're even just like remotely interested, you're like, in it. a deep dive yeah. with people who are like really in it or people who are new to it like totally you. so so yeah I would say those are are some that I that I love amazing well this is so informative I love what you guys are doing at Geneva I honestly think it's so needed and hopefully this is the first of many podcasts yeah yeah thank Thanks you so for much for coming me. on
Thank you so much for making it all the way to the end of the episode. You have no idea how much it means to me. And I really do hope that you left this conversation feeling lighter, more in tune, and with some tools to apply to your own life. Please feel free to reach out to me via DM on Instagram. I would absolutely love that, which I have linked in the show notes on any feedback or guests that you want to have on. And if you do have a second, I would really appreciate you giving the podcast five stars on Apple Podcasts and a quick review. It really helps getting the podcast in front of more people like you. See you next week.